I'll do a quick mic check. Hello, hello. I'll just, okay. So, Renee, I want to make eye contact. There you are, okay. You know, I was thinking as I was sitting and I was waiting for you uh, to do offering teaching about how when you number your days, it lets you sort of identify mistakes you made quickly and fix them. I can think of several things I did wrong yesterday, and if I think about my time in the terms of days instead of weeks or months or years, I can evaluate that, course correct, make a change, do better. Um, I think there's, that's potentially another reason, you know, we're, we're asked to number our days. And I think, I, I think I've mentioned this one time, but, um, you know, I, I enjoy sharing sort of like the reasons why behind things that I find interesting. And um, we all probably know the reason we have a day. We all know the reason we have a day. The day is the amount of time it takes for the earth to rotate one time. And we probably know the reason we have a year, right? The time it takes for the earth to go around the sun one time. Those are, these are times that are measured by the solar system. Uh, we also know why we have a month. A month is about the amount of time it takes for the Earth to go around the moon. But the week came from the creation story. There's no astronomical reason for a week. It's just straight out of, in reference to, um, to the creation story. I think that's interesting. I thought I'd share that. Uh, there also, somebody needs to take over announcement video production um, because... I'm a novice, as you can see, but I forgot to, look, to, add one, to, to add one announcement, and that is on the first day of the year, there is a prayer meeting here from 1 to 4 o'clock, and it's a prayer meeting to set the tone, to pray for the tone of 2021. Uh, so feel free to come. You are invited to that. So can I get my first slide on this thing? So today's message is why church? And if you Google why church, you get some not-so-great reasons to come to church. And it's kind of hard sometimes to find some, when you just do a normal Google search, to find biblical reasons to come to church. But I want to share a few of the not-so-good reasons to, to attend church and share a few of the biblical reasons why to attend church. So go back, go back. And talk a little bit about how church, how Cornerstone, can be a better church. So you can go to the next slide. So one of the not-so-great reasons to attend church is there was a study, 2016, that said women, it was only a study of women, are at lower risk to die at a, within a given time frame, within the time frame of the study, they're at lower risk to die than women who do not attend church. That sounds like a, a great reason to attend church, right? Like less likely to die. Go to the next slide. Less risk of depression and suicide. That's not a bad, that's not a bad thing. Women who attend church and, and um, 
do so weekly are uh, less likely to suffer from depression and, and commit suicide. And then the, the last one is, next slide, actually it can lower your blood pressure. So there's some data up there about, you know, the blood pressure in milli millimeters of mercury and how it was lower with people who attended church frequently. But interestingly, it was actually higher. Blood pressure was higher for people who watched religious TV or listened to religious radio. So I'm not sure about that. But the reason these are not so great reasons to attend church is because they're really just situational. They're based upon right now. Because, next slide. If you would have taken the same survey, if you would have done the same research in, say, between 30 and 300 A.D., you would have found that if you attended church, you were probably more likely to be beheaded, eaten by lions or dogs, killed by gladiators, or burned. And so this is a, this text there is from uh, a Roman historian, Tacitus, and his book, um, annals, and he put, therefore, to stop the rumor that he had set fire on Rome, he, Emperor Nero, falsely charged Christians with guilt and punished, and punished with the most fearful tortures the persons commonly called Christians who were hated for their enormities. And I looked up, like, what's that mean, they were hated for their enormities? Everything they did was enormous. They were enormous, sort of radical followers of Christ. Christus, the founder at the time, was put to death as a criminal by Pontius Pilate, procurator of Judea, in the, re in the region of Tiberias. But the pernicious superstition, re repressed for a time, broke out yet again, not only in Judea, where the mischief had originated, but through the city of Rome also. And in ver and, and their very deaths, they were made the subject of sport. They were covered with hides of wild beasts and torn to death by dogs or nailed to crosses or set, to, or set fire to. And when the day waned, burned to serve for the evening light, Nero offered his own garden players to the spectacle. So the fact that now, right now, it's good for your blood pressure to come to church or, you know, you might be less likely to die within a frame of time at the, at the study you know, those aren't like the real reasons why we come to church. They're not the biblical reasons about why we're all here right now. Because I don't believe, probably, although I haven't done the research, but I doubt between 330 A.D. and 300 A.D. there were gyms and the Rotary Club and other social groups that could provide people with support and sort of mental health support emotional support, which is part of what the church does, and it's probably part of the reason why you see lower blood pressure amongst people who attend church, because we're here for each other. We support each other. But, so, so Christians, we're motivated by principle to come to church. So what's principle look like? And I hope I spelled it right. I think I did. If I hadn't said anything, you probably wouldn't be Googling it right now. But I, I, like going, I like the analogy of going to the gym. Because if you want to go to the gym and exercise, because you've heard good things about it, and you go one time or even one week, and you evaluate the results, 
you're probably going to conclude that that experiment did not work. You're going to say, I want to be a little bit stronger. I want to be less likely to be injured. I want more range of motion. You know, all the things that are important. All the things that are important when you start to age and you need to really start thinking about, you know, can I still bend over and touch my toes? Like, that's a big milestone when you're aging. So maintaining flexibility, maintaining strength. Well, if you look at the immediate outcome of going to the gym, the day, two days, three days, four days, five days, a week, you're going to say all those things got worse. Like, it hurts now to, like, do this. It, you feel weak. You can't, you know, you can't pick anything up. Um, but you know that long term, you're less likely to be injured. You're going to gain strength. You're going to increase your flexibility. And that's, that's what I want to talk about today of why church. The long term, the biblical reasons for church. And the biblical reasons for why we're all here right now. And if we know the reasons why we're here, we can hone in on those and do a better job at them. So go back a slide. I'm sorry, I'm still, still talking about this one. So I spent a little bit of time in San Francisco where homelessness and drugs are a big problem. And every time I passed a person, you know, sort of passed out on the street, could hardly move or crawling or dragging himself or herself, I always thought they just probably went to the gym yesterday. Because that's how you feel when you go, right? But long-term, it's the right decision. So long-term, we're here for church. We're here for church, and we have a lot of really great, um, you know, you can, you can Google research about social groups and support groups, and there's a lot of great outcomes from church. But that's not really the reason why we're here. And I think if we know the reason why we're here, if we know why this is a biblical principle and what was taught about it in the Bible, we can, then we can start focusing on those things, focusing on those reasons, and trying to do them better, right? It's like if you were playing a sport, and somebody said, you know, you, you win more games when you throw strikes, you'd be like, ah, I'll I try throwing some strikes more. That's what I'll do. Or, you know, so we want to understand why we're here, what the purpose God has for us being here, and then let's you know, I'm just casting this mission, to, this vision to focus, know what we're here, why we're here, focus on being here, focus on doing the things we're here to do, and I think we'll find that we're able to execute the mission of the church better, and then, you know, even a lot of the sort of the secondary benefits, like lower blood pressure, you know, might actually improve too. So... We can go to the next slide. So now I get into the, the right reasons. Why church? The right reasons. So Jesus taught about church while he was alive. If you look at Matthew 18, he actually here is describing how to handle some, sometimes when there's conflict in church. Um, and, you know, there's as much as I could tell there's not, Jesus didn't necessarily lay out a blueprint for church, but a lot of his teachings just sort of assume that there is a church or that, that he's ta it's taken for granted because it already exists. That's my interpretation. Um, so there's scriptures where 
Jesus is, is, is telling people, for example, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, the, the point of this scripture is to establish that when Jesus spoke, Jesus taught, there was some assumption, I think, that we would be in church, that there would be a church. It's not to, now we're going we're gonna to have a demonstration time on this scripture, and everybody who's got a fault with each other, we're going to go. Ready? No, of course not. That's not the point. But the point is to, to demonstrate that even Jesus... Um, had the sort of the foundation when he was preaching and teaching on some things that the church existed and that people were at church and they were gathering together and there was this infrastructure called the church that existed. Next slide. Our precedent is that there is a church. New, early New Testament, early Christians attended churches. And there were quite a few churches, and you can, like I did here, you can, you can Google um, a map of where, where the churches were in the New Testament, and you can find that there were a lot of churches. And, of course, Paul writes his letters to churches. So our New Testament example is that there is a church. People come together. And next slide. So Jesus spoke about it, early Christians did it, and were encouraged not to forsake it. So in Hebrews 10, 25, uh, 24 and 25, let us consider, hold on, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, Jesus taught about church. Early Christians attended church. And then were encouraged by Paul, or pardon me, actually Hebrews, we're not sure precisely the author. We're encouraged in Hebrews to not forsake it. Now, you see the underlined, bold, the italics on exhorting one another? So some scriptures say, some translations say, encouraging one another, helping one another, building one another up. So that's my first sub-point. You do not have to be perfect to be at church. Because we are here to exhort one another, to encourage one another, to build each other up. So what that means is, if you need encouragement, and if you need built up, and if you have some things that are challenging and you wish were different in your life, it's okay to be here. I'm not really sure how so many people have come to think that you really need to be right to be here. But you can come here and we can build each other up and encourage each other. So we're encouraged we're encouraged not to forsake church. 
so that we can build each other up and exhort each other and help each other. Next slide. So in Ephesians 4, God ordained and gifted pastors and teachers. And so Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. At Cornerstone, we have amazing teachers. We don't have Sunday school anymore, but for 25 years, we had Sunday school. And we have Mark Campbell taught Sunday school. Thomas Worthington taught Sunday school. If you've ever, if you've ever heard Mark or Thomas teach Sunday school, it's great. Tad and Leabeth taught Sunday school. Josh taught Sunday school. Renee taught Sunday school. My dad taught Sunday school. Catherine taught Sunday school. Gloria, Gloria taught Sunday school. We have at Cornerstone some of the best teaching that you'll find. Um, I had told my dad this, and then somebody from the MAPS team sort of said the same thing. I said, Dad, you know, a lot of churches would take, would love to have the talent that you have at Cornerstone for their, for their, for their primary preacher. You know, for their pastor of preaching, they would love to have somebody like Mark or Thomas or Tad. And we're just saturated with gifted teachers at Cornerstone. In fact, it's, it's just, it's, it's really, it's fantastic. But we are rebooting Wednesday night services, so hopefully, you know, there'd be opportunity for people to use gifts, use their gifts. Well, I remember when I lived in Tallahassee, when my wife and I lived in Tallahassee and our kids, and in Richmond, I would come back to Cornerstone pretty frequently, as frequently as I could, and I just always wished I could find a church kind of like Cornerstone somewhere else. And especially, sorry, Dad, but especially I wished I could find Cornerstone Christian Academy. There's something that I think is amazing, I want to say. Scott Liller taught Sunday school every Sunday he was able to kids for the last 25 years. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, Scott. Really a true example. Really a true example. Um, so we are in this body, and God has ordained pastors and teachers, or a pastor and teachers, to build us up, to work on us, to expose us to truth, to study and bring it to us so we can hear it. Next slide. But guess what? Every person is gifted. We need each other. You need me, and I need you. Romans 12, 6 through 8, which was read in the DNA class today, I think. Right, Ted? Yeah. And Corinthians 12, 4 through 10. I'll read, um, I'll read just Romans 12, 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So some of the gifts that we have that we give each other, I want to highlight. So I went on a camping trip with the youth, and I had gotten to the parking lot. Nicole, Grace's mom, had brought breakfast biscuits for everybody, right? So my day's already started pretty rough, right? And I get in the vehicle. We're about to drive to the mountains. I get in the vehicle, and Elisa's driving. And, I mean, it was like a crazy morning. There were people, you know, with, like, backpacks, and everybody just throwing them in the back of the truck. And we were all headed to different campsites. And there was the older kids were going on a more advanced rapid, and the younger kids were going on a, a safer rapid. And um, I got in the car ready to drive, you know, ride two or so hours with Elisa. And I said, wow, Elisa, this is tough. Do you think you'll do it next year? She said, Mark, this is the 17th year. I've been taking these kids camping. And I thought, wow, okay, I'm lazy, right? Because one time just getting to the free breakfast that somebody brought me made me wonder. Um, you know, I want to talk a, a little bit, point out a little bit about Josh, who works with the youth also. And I just thought about Josh. Um, he is a very nice person. He is um, married. He has, uh, yes, Ashley. He has, um, yay, he married. <laughs> he has um, worked teaching youth at Cornerstone for years. And he is in graduate school getting his degree in counseling. And he is willing to work with our youth. Isn't that amazing? Like, what better resume could you have? Could you ask for in a church for somebody to work with youth? Right? It's great. It's fantastic. Um, Renee uses her gift of music in more than just here because when I was nine, she taught me how to play bass. So, and she's done that for lots of people who she's taught people how to play the trombone. She doesn't know how to play the trombone, but she knows enough about music, her, one of her gifts to bring people up and let them participate and learn. And that's, that's a tremendous gift to us because um, it's hard to play music with people who are not solid musicians, much less, say, somebody like me when I was nine, and there's, I've seen it happen many times where she says, oh, you, we need a guitar player. I'll teach you the C chord for the next month all our songs will play in C, and you're just going to play four times and then just stop and count to four and then play four more and then just stop, and you'll be playing C chord on all the parts of the song where you need to play the C chord. And that takes a lot of drive and push and pull to, like, invest in people and build and know you want to sound like you too, but you probably don't because you're helping people learn. And then I think about Nick, who has actually been on the uh, billboard, the 100, top 100 billboard. And you've got Debbie, who's been singing for about 25 years, and um, Doug, and, and Christine, and Luis. All these people are, are using their gifts to serve us 
to help the church, to like build the church, to create this community where the Holy Spirit comes and where we are ministered to supernaturally. Next slide. So people don't realize this, but it's, an actu- it's actually an imp- having a church, being at church, being part of church is actually an important way in which we live out the mission. Because, look at John 13, 33 through 35. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will go, you will look for me, and as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He's clearly talking to his, his church, his disciples. So one of the ways that we are in actually an effective witness is by what happens here and how that impacts our day-to-day, our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We can actually show people that we are disciples by how we love one another. And if someone looks at you and they go, I wonder if that's a disciple of Christ. They're going to listen to you. You're going to have an opportunity. You're going to have a window into their life where you can have a positive impact. So there's love inside the local church. And there's love that's shown across churches. And I'll just give you an example. Um, Max and Mark showed love to our church before they were part of it in the work that they did on the air conditioner and how they bailed Renee out of several messes that, that you get yourself in when you have never been a contractor and you undertake a several million dollar building project. That's a complicated path to go for without some uh, mentorship or training or some experience in a multi-million dollar construction firm. And Tommy, who his wife is here, but who wasn't a part of this church when he sort of rescued the plumbing situation that we had during the building of this church. And the maps team, who just wanted to show love to fellow Christians. And they chose our church, and they came, and they showed love to us. And this is actually, this love that we can show to one another is actually one of the mechanisms, is one of the ways God uses us to reach the world, to reach other people by how we treat each other, by how we love each other. And so, last slide, we can improve our church. It just takes us. It takes you. It takes me. Uh, You'll notice that we've had a big transition from upstairs a couple months ago to down here now. Um, There's some really interesting things going on, like when the musicians play, we hear a click track in our ear, and it says, course one, and then it says, repeat course one, you know, it, and it's part of a transition that is sort of taking cornerstone, 
um, from something to something new that it can that it can be better and do better. Um, you know, there's hospitality teams now. We use an app for connecting us. And guess what? There's really a lot of room in video editing and announcements. So if you're interested. But what the point of this is, is to say that there's room for you and that this church needs you. Because if you have a gift and you feel like it's not having an impact on people, if you, you know, we need each other, that's clear from the scripture. We're here for each other. We're here to listen and learn from teachers and pastors. We're here to love each other. My interaction with you is actually God-ordained, and yours with me is actually God-ordained. And we all have a gift, and we all have a church here now, that if we are able to, like now that, here's what I'm hoping for the sermon, okay, here's the point, here's what I'm hoping, if you understand, is there's a place for you, we need you, you need me, we all need each other, there's a lot going on, there's a lot of opportunity, we can make it better, we can intentionally interact with each other, show love to each other, I don't know everyone's gift here, and, and not everybody here knows my gifts, and so I can exercise that. I can have these positive little micro-interactions and show Scott that I love him and show Debbie I love her. And that There's a place for that here, and that kind of behavior and interaction and that being intentional with respect to that is going to help this church be better, and it's going to help us impact other people and impact each other. And it's God-ordained, and it's biblical, and it's scriptural. So, we have leadership teams. We have a leadership team. And Catherine, and Tad, and Renee, and Dad are putting forth a lot of effort to build out opportunities for people to serve so that our church can be a better mixing pot, and can, we can all impact each other's lives how it's intended to be in Scripture. You know, we just, we need, we're, the transition now is that this is, tra this is intentional. You know, as we grow, these things have to be intentional. And how can, so if you have a gift, if you have a gift, if you have hospitality, Luis has done hospitality. I love seeing his face every Sunday when I come to church. But there's more doors to open now. And there's a, whole, there's a coffee bar now. We didn't used to have a coffee bar. So ask the Lord. Here's what I pray. That we can ask the Lord how we can use our gift here. And it's not always easy to use your gift. Like if you want to be used in music, there's a rehearsal. And that's not always easy because it's, fun, it's easier to watch TV on Wednesday night than get out and, and practice. But we can have positive impact on everybody around us. We can even sometimes just making yourself available for conversation at the coffee bar might have a positive impact, might be the, the interaction that somebody needed. So, I will close by asking everyone to think about ways 
in which we can all make our church better. And how we can all interact with each other with love, interact with each other and use our gifts, interact with, interact with each other and encourage, interact with each other and allow ourselves to be encouraged so that the work that is intended by God to happen in the church can happen. And it can happen better and easier and more and, and we can grow and, and experience that plan that God has for us as a church better. So that is all I have. Thank you for listening to this week's encouraging podcast. You can find out more information about the church on our Facebook page at Cornerstone of Victory Church, Statesville. Remember, life begins at the cross.